All right. The title of my message is Created for Passion. And, um, you know, let's just say a prayer real quick. Father, I thank you. You're awesome. We love you so much, Father, and we know you love us. And, uh, Father, teach us uh, what it means to really live for you. <clears throat> and, uh, Father, we just love you. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that's here today. And uh, we thank you, Father, that you've never left us. And I thank you, Father, that uh, you have so much planned for us and so much purpose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. What are you drinking, water? Or? Oh, I'll help you more. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see here. First of all, um, you know, when God created the world, he, he designed everything after himself. And you can see his footprint everywhere. You can see his fingerprint everywhere you look and uh, there's some things especially in the family structure that just it's just amazing uh, what he has uh, to show us and to teach us and so we're actually going to go into Genesis chapter 28 <coughs> and uh, I was I did the courtesy of only putting my scripture reference on the paper that way I have to turn also that way you'll have some time to turn as well uh, <laughs> Genesis chapter 28, verse 18. Uh, it says, So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. Now, before we keep going, see, he was falling in. He was asleep, and he had this dream. That, thank you. He had this dream where he saw these angels going up and down on this ladder. And, and I don't know if y'all know this, but Jesus actually said, uh, "You will see the, you will see the, you will see the angels going up and down uh, as if on a ladder uh, into heaven and backing up and down upon the Son of Man." And he was actually talking about himself. And um, see, this is the place of encounter. This is the place of the of encounter with God and with the kingdom of God. And so later on in the New Testament, when Jesus is talking about how he says, "Surely you'll see the angels." Ascending and descending upon the Son of God. Uh, he was talking about how we would encounter um, heaven and how we have access to the things of heaven to come from heaven to earth. And here, here is Jacob, and he's asleep, and he dreams about this. Okay? And it doesn't explain it. Like, if you read this right here, it's just this miraculous dream he has, you know? Uh, and he has this prophetic dream. Of, of an encounter with heaven and of course he encounters heaven with God as well but I think that I mean it was just amazing how it doesn't really explain what that really meant and then Jesus comes on the scene and actually says you will see the angels ascending and descending on the son of man um, because see at that place yeah I just got something so see at that place he called it what well, he called it Peniel let's look at this real quick let's go up to, to, to verse uh, 12 here and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth. We're in chapter 28, verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you... And your offspring 
shall all families of the earth be blessed. Woo. I'm talking about Jesus. Okay? So it does explain it. <laughs> okay? It just doesn't really go into much detail. It says, uh, so he, he, he sees these angels going up and down, and then he says, uh, in you, well, through your offspring. Now, um, a lot of translations actually say seed. Okay? They don't say offspring. It says seed. Okay? Which is very important. Okay? We're going to talk about that later on, but all the families of earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. It's the place of encounter. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Okay, so the ladder, when he saw that ladder, he was seeing the gate into heaven. It was the access point into heaven. And if, when we have Jesus, we have now the access point to heaven. Amen. All right? Uh, so that was just a little tidbit that was not in my notes. So, <laughs> uh, so it says that he woke up early in the morning. Jacob took the stone that he put on his head and set it up for a pillar and poured out oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in his way, uh, in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tent to you. So he's saying, he's basically made a deal with God. See, what happened was, uh, right before this, Esau wanted to kill his brother. Okay? He tricked his brother, and now he's on the run. All right, so he's his Esau is just ticked off. I don't know if that's appropriate. He's upset, um, and he's gonna kill him. And so here is uh, Jacob, and he's he's on the run now. So then he has this dream, and he basically um, he says to God, you know, if you'll bring me back here, then I'll serve you and serve you alone. So if, uh, we're gonna keep on going. Um, what happens is after this, he goes and he he falls in love with this girl named Rachel. He works for her for seven years. Gets deceived by Laban. It's Leah. I don't know how that works. Maybe he was a little bit too, too drunk or whatever. Didn't realize that it was Leah instead of Rachel. When he woke up in the morning, he finally realized that it was the wrong woman. I think some of us, no. <laughs> Maybe some of us have been there. <laughs> uh, ever heard that that song? Uh, uh, I, I, I don't even know my last name. <laughs> Never mind, we'll go there. Um, so so this uh, that's a song about a woman who got so drunk that she got married and next in the morning she doesn't know her last name because she got married <laughs> but anyway uh that's what happens when you live in sin okay moving on uh, <laughs> you get messed up <laughs> right? yeah we don't know about that here right We're perfect We're little angels right no uh, so he goes and works for his sister right or for that girl rachel and Laban um, deceives him, just like he deceived his father, you know? Uh, somebody was blind somewhere. If you don't know this, Isaac was blind or couldn't barely see and put this fur on his, himself to deceive his father, to trick him that he was his brother, right? So uh, here's Laban returning the favor. And now Jacob um, is reaping it. So, uh, so then he he goes through, um, after that, I'm just kind of going through my notes here. He he had uh, this this point where, again, 
Laban deceived him and said, hey, after, after about 14 years now, he'd been working for Laban. And he says he changed his wages like 10 times. So he was really kind of deceitful to his, um, to his nephew. Uh, and, then, and then what happens is he said, work for me another six years and you can have all the spotted sheep, right? And so, well, I guess while Jacob wasn't looking, here comes Laban and steals away all the spotted sheep. Because you know you have to have spotted sheep to have spotted sheep, right? <laughs> and, well, God blesses him anyway. And next thing you know, he's got spotted sheep. And Laban's not very happy about that. So now he's getting mad. And uh, Rachel is uh, his wife, right? uh, Jacob's wife. And he she steals the household gods. Now, this is so weird to me because I always thought these people were people of God, weren't they? They believed in God. But Jacob had said that in his prayer. He, he said... He made a deal with God. If you'll return me back from here, I'll, I'll serve you only. So Jacob was not serving God, but God was pursuing Jacob. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Even in the Old Testament, Jesus wasn't around, but Jesus was prophesied. You know, Jesus was. Jesus is the central theme of the Old Testament. It's like the end. It's just the climax at the very end of the story. You know, at the story for the story, Jesus is the climax of the Old Testament. But you have. Laban deceiving him takes those sheep. He goes on, and they run. They run away because now Laban's chasing them, and they meet up. And here's Rachel. And she's hiding the household gods, and and Laban says, "If you whoever has those household gods, I'm going to kill them." Well, he doesn't know it's his own daughter. And Rachel sits down on him, and here comes Laban, and he's feeling around looking for everything, and he comes up to Rachel and says, uh, "Get up!" And she goes, uh, "I'm on my monthly period here." Um, I'm not going to get up. And he goes, oh, okay. He moves on, right? And so they get away with it. And Laban makes a, cuts a deal with um, with Jacob, and make, they make a covenant. Laban goes his way, and Jacob goes his way. Well, so they, I read that story for the first time that, that Rachel had those household gods, and I was thinking, that's so weird. You know, I always think of these people being so perfect, you know, like Jacob and Israel. He's you know, like a man of God, you know? And obviously they had some problems. And so then Jacob's afraid of his brother. And he's, he's going through and he, he starts praying and stuff. And this is where he starts to wrestle with God. Um, the same night he's about to meet Esau. And they sense all these um, these sacrifices uh, and, or, or all these gifts to Esau so he can make peace with Esau. And remember, this is the thing he ran away from, you know? And he prayed to God that if you'll deliver me back. And the thing is, God had given him all these promises, but he was still afraid. You know, he was, he, God had told him certain things, and he's still afraid. So he goes back, um, Genesis chapter 35, let's look at that. Uh, let's see. Oh, wait, no, Genesis, yeah, 32. You're already on the way there, so let's go to 32. I love this. Okay. And a man, it says in verse, thir chapter 32, verse 30, uh, 24. And Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This is right before they're about to go see Esau. Okay. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I'm going to let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What's your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob. Y'all know that the word Jacob means deceiver. Okay. So he is about to change his identity. Okay, he says, "Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed." Then Jacob asked him, "Please tell me your name." But he said, "Why is he asking me my name?" There, there, and there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. 
saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose, and upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. And that was, uh, he actually never got healed up, which is a cool story anyway, because kind of, we won't go into that. Okay, uh, chapter 35. Uh, so, he makes peace with his brother, okay? And it's, it's, it's a miracle, you know? He, his brother was so mad, he was going to kill him. 20 years later, they finally reconcile. I always thought that was the coolest story, that Jacob and Esau, it says that Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and, and they wept. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man. So, uh, chapter 35, verse 1. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that they were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. Okay, so this is awesome. So here God answers his prayer, okay? And that's that was the key right there. He said, we're going to get rid of all these other gods because they don't answer. And this God answers and he made a covenant with him. And this is so cool right here, the covenant. This is the moment right here we're waiting for. Um, see, the whole time Jacob thought God was a good idea. Now he was going to sell everything he had and, 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 and completely serve God, okay, at this point, which is cool. That's why I'm saying <laughs> your, your song was just amazing. Uh, you're going to hear all the themes from that song in the sermon. So, um, And this is right here. Verse, uh, chapter 35, verse 9, God appeared to Jacob again, and then he came from uh, wherever that place is, and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say that. Be fruitful and, and multiply. A nation and the company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. All right, so this is so cool. Uh, and then he, he like confirms the place is Bethel. Okay? He names the place Bethel twice, 20 years later. It's kind of weird. I figured it would have picked the first time, but obviously it didn't because it was concrete the second time. All right? So uh, it's a new covenant. And, and the first commandment that God gave Jacob was be fruitful. Okay, we're going to show you how this works. See, we're talking about the offspring of God. Okay, um, there's a reason why God said be fruitful and multiply, because He's looking for a man or a woman of faith. Okay, and you can look around the world, all around, and there's people who don't have faith. God's looking for somebody, and He's not done. If you don't get it right, He wants your children. Okay. All right, so there's so much more to this. Uh, he makes it. He makes peace with his brothers. He gets rid of the foreign gods, and he goes into full covenant with God. And then God says, "Now that we're in covenant, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply." When we surrender ourselves to God, we deny ourselves and give Him everything, and then we receive everything that He has for us. When God establishes with us a new covenant, He commands us to be fruitful and multiply every time. Okay, God created Adam. There was a, it's called. I, they call it the. Some people call it the Eden covenant or the Adam covenant and uh, he said I, I give you authority all over all the earth be fruitful and multiply then uh, Noah comes in he makes a covenant with Noah and he says be fruitful and multiply and then Jacob he 
makes a covenant with him, be fruitful and multiply. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, it's a new creation, and he says, go, make disciples. Okay? So we're going we're to talk a little bit more about that. I don't want to give away my secrets, but I just I couldn't help it. I had to say that. Okay? <clears throat> he commands us to be fruitful and multiply. But see, we are the bride of Christ. See? When we come into, we become a new creation. Okay? But then also when we enter covenant with God, we become one with him. We become the bride of Christ. Okay? And there's only one thing that happens next. You know? You sing those songs. You know, uh, James and uh Krista, sit in the tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage, right? So that's that's the order of things, right? Now, we're living in a backwards world now that doesn't happen like that anymore, but that's the intent. That's the way it's supposed to be, you know? Um, all right, so let's keep on going. Uh, so it's, the reason why I talked about forsaking all others is because when you get married, you forsake all others. Okay? You throw away all your other gods. You throw away all of your other women. All the other men that you wanted to pursue, they're out of the picture. You surrendered everything now to one person. Okay? 100% for them all your life. Okay? That's the way it's supposed to be. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay? Uh, first of all, in marriage we forsake all things, right? And then we are promised, uh, we, we are promised multiplication. We are told that we're now to multiply. Okay? Hosea, chapter 1, verse 2. So this is going into... Um, I'm trying to give you a picture of what, what, what God wants to do with us. I'm using um, Jacob because Jacob um, is a lot like us, you know, kind of going and doing our own thing. But when it's time to now dedicate our life to the Lord, it's time to get rid of all of our foreign gods. And I was, I was talking to a guy at work. Um, if you don't, I, I might tell you a little bit of my testimony tonight if I get some, some time. But I was talking to a guy today, the other day at work, and I told him, I said, man, he looked at me and said, he said, man, I don't know something Zach about being around you. It makes me want to do things right, you know? And I said, you know, we were created to have passion, okay? We were created to have passion. That's why the very first thing God gave us was a woman, okay? Think about it. All right. The very first gift that you ever had was a woman as a man. Now, I'm not trying to exclude women here. It's, it's both vice by, by versa, Okay. But that was the first thing God gave us, was passion, was something to love 100%, to give everything you have. And I don't want to get too, you know, visual here. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. We we're created to be passionate beings, okay? And the first love is Jesus, Amen. okay? We are the bride of Christ. You are designed to be passionate for him. And if you are not passionate for him... You will find something else to be passionate about because you are created to be passionate, okay? Amen. And that's why it takes us down all these long other roads. Whatever you're most passionate about is your God, okay? If you're passionate about drugs, then that's your God. If you're passionate about making money, that's your God. If you're passionate about your family, then that's your God. God has to be your God. We've got to be passionate about him first. Amen. And then everything else comes into place, okay? Yeah, All the fruit of that comes into place. Alright? So, we're going to go to Isaiah 1, 2. I love this. I mean, Hosea. Hosea 1, 2. Yeah, I'm so used to just writing it on a piece of paper and looking at it. <laughs> Hosea! I can find my own scripture verses here. 
Right after Daniel. I know, right? <laughs> there we go. Hosea. One. Verse two. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. It's like three times it says that. It's just like, <laughs> punch you in the stomach three times. All right? This is the way it is. You know, and this is the Bible. So that's why I'm preaching the Bible, okay? Um, <laughs> all these new believers are here giggling. It's okay. <laughs> you know, this is, this is the way God sees us, you know, before we know Jesus. We, we, we forsake God, we go do our own thing, and, and we're just, you know, dirty. But this is what God commanded Moses to do. I mean, Hosea to do. He commanded Hosea, go find you a prostitute and join yourself together with her. Okay? Which is an amazing, that's amazing love right there. Okay? Uh, see, God, God, it says in the word that God loved us so much that yeah, well, while we were still sinners, we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. All right, that's amazing love, you know. See, God died for his enemies. He loved us so much, he died for his enemies. Come on, come on. It's good stuff, you know. Uh, he says, take a wife. Hosea 2, verse 16. And in that day declares the Lord, you shall call me my husband. Isn't that awesome? And no longer will you be my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from their mouth, and they shall be remembered by, by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow and the sword. And verse 19, and I will betroth to you. I will betroth you to me. That means that we'll join together in marriage. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. That word know isn't just, hi, I think I know you a little bit. This is I know. I watched this movie called The Crucible. There's a book. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of the book The Crucible. It's about a man who committed adultery against his wife. And he was sitting on trial, and he was so convicted of his sin. And he just broke down and he goes, I have known her! Okay? He was, alright? That's the first time I heard that, I thought, I think I know what that means. Okay? <laughs> to know somebody and to know somebody intimately. This is not just to know. You know, like I just met these people, I know them. No, this is not the know that I know them. This is the know that I know of my wife. The know what man, other man knows. You see? I know this person. So he's talking about calling him husband. We become his husband. Okay, and then we know him. That's why, um, uh, that, that's the important thing right there, okay? We're going to keep going. Um, <clears throat> so now we have a new marriage. Now check this out. Actually, uh, I'm going to read this cool passage right here, Hosea 3, verse 1. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loved the children of Israel, though they turned to other gods and loved cakes and raisins. So I brought her for I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and a homer and a, whatever that thing is barley. And I said to you, to her, you must dwell as mine as for many days. You shall not uh, play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or a pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. It's talking about the descendant of David, which is Jesus. Okay, And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. It's awesome. It, man, this is so much love. This is, <laughs> just like you said, it doesn't matter what your past is. 
you know? And what's really cool is he's talking about his wife. He's talking about his wife that left. And, you know, we think there's no hope for us sometimes after we accept Jesus and then we go backslide real bad. No, she just bought you with a price, you know? And it was a heavy price. And he doesn't want us to just, of course, we shouldn't just go live for ourselves, but I believe that price is so big, he'll never stop pursuing you. That's right. Okay. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, 3. Basically, I'm just kind of trying to teach a little bit on, on, on marriage, that, that, that God wants to marry us. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> Verse 2 through 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Did I say that? No, no, go verse 2. Now I commend you because you remember me. I'm in the wrong book. 2 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 11. Verse 2. For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband. To present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Isn't that awesome? You know? Like that's the thing. God is a, is a God who restores and redeems us. Amen. We were this awful thing before. And he restores back to us our virginity. Okay? And and, and this is amazing. Um, because uh, people don't really understand it. You know why the devil hates marriage so much? Because it looks like God. Wow. Marriage is the picture of covenant. Between God and man. Okay? So he wants to take everything out of context. He wants to make you feel like you'll never match up. You know? The whole point of wearing that white dress when you walk down the aisle is because you were pure. And that purity symbolizes your devotion to your husband. That you weren't ever with anybody else. Okay? And see, what happens is God wants that for his bride. And so what he does is he buys us back. He washes away all of our sin, takes it all away, so that when we are presented back to him, we're completely pure and spot-free. And that's what it says in the Word right here, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands, love your wives. And he goes on. Let's go look at verse uh, 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his wife and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. See, that's the thing. You become one flesh. God wants to become one with you. Yes. And it's in John chapter 17. It says that, that they may be in us as I am you. We're talking about the, the unity that Jesus has with God, his Father. He says he wants us to be unified with him. The same. It's amazing. If you, so I'm going to skip through some of this because I think you all are getting there. So spiritual multiplication. So in, in Matthew chapter 28, it talks about how and so now in Jesus, we become that new creation, right? We become the new creation. And then he says in, in Matthew chapter 28, he says, I want you to go now and make disciples of all nations. See, once we enter into covenant with God, now it's time to multiply. Okay? Amen. Yes. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 5, 
16 through 21. I know I'm going all over the Bible here, but it's the word, and it's good. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Every time there's a new creation, he says, be fruitful and multiply. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you're in Jesus, you have now the ministry of reconciliation. That's Christianity 101. Charles Spurgeon said, he said, if you don't have the desire to see others come to know Jesus, uh, you know, to become saved, he says, then be sure of this. You're not saved yourself. That's a tough word, right? If I know Jesus, then why wouldn't I want everybody else to know Jesus? That's right. Amen. You know, if you know him. If you don't know him, then there's nothing good to know. So why would you talk about him? But if you do know him, you can't shut up about it. Yeah? Because if you don't, if you can't shut up about him, if you can shut up about him, I'm sorry, I don't know if that's a good word, but if you, if you can be quiet about it, then you're not spending time with Jesus. Okay? I'm just going to be really honest with you. If you can't, if you can hold it in, Okay? <laughs> if you can hold it in, then you don't really know Jesus very well. You, you just go to church one day a week, and that's probably about it. But if you are intimate with Jesus, you can't help but talk about it. It's not possible. It's not possible. If you love your children, you know, back in the day, they used to have those flip-down wallets, you know? Yeah. Hey, look, these are my kids, you know? It's worth AT&T, okay? And every time, I, I would I pull up my phone and say, these are my kids. And I'd show my kids. Why? Because it's my family. This is who I am. Okay? So if I'm spending time with Jesus, this isn't the word that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth professes. So if I put Jesus in, it's going to come out. It says in the word, I believe, therefore I speak. You can't not speak if you don't believe. Come on. You know? It's good stuff. If, if all you're ever doing is complaining about how awful your life is, then that's the only thing you've ever put in. But if Jesus is the center of your life, then your life's not very bad. Even if you lost everything. If Jesus is the center of your life, you can't stop talking about him. You know? It's good stuff. Woo! Amen. And I'm pretty much, I don't know if I'm going to just keep flipping through these. I'm just going to tell you what the word says. Okay? It talks about, um, in, in 2 Corinthians, being the new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And, and we now have the message of reconciliation. We'll keep reading here. And the new has come, right? All, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting our trespass against him. Trespass is sin, okay? So the things you've done wrong. He's not counting that against you anymore because of Jesus. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. See, Jesus isn't here anymore to preach. It's you. See, Jesus is inside you. It's time for you to preach. Amen. Okay? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That means you represent him. An ambassador. If an ambassador leaves this nation, goes to another nation, whatever he says is as good as the nation that he comes from. They pretty much say, yeah, the United States says that. Yes. Okay, like it's it's like a bonding word. Okay. That's why it's so important that we represent him well. God makes God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. So Jesus literally became sin. So that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. Amen. I don't like calling myself a sinner anymore, because I'm not. You know what I'm saying? I'm the righteousness of God. Amen. You want to you know how I overcame my addictions? Because I'm not an addict. I'm the righteousness of God. Amen. And knowing who you are is all that it takes 
If I know that I'm a dog, I'm going to eat dog food, you know. If I'm a cow, I'm not going to eat steak, you know. It's knowing who I am. If I, if I know who I am, if I'm confused, well, then I'll eat something I'm not supposed to eat, Come you on. know. You know, think about this. Would you ever eat glass? Would you ever drink oil, like car oil? You know, I, I used to have an addiction um, to sexual perversion, okay? Um, pornography and things like that. And God just set me free, okay? And I remember, uh, yes, God's awesome. <laughs> yes, amen. And I remember finally, like every, there was different stages of freedom I would get over time. And I remember one time I was getting ready one morning and I was tempted. And immediately I said, no, that stuff will kill me. You know, think about it. If I was to hand you a glass of motor oil, you would say, no, that'll kill me. It was an immediate response. I finally had a revelation of what it was and what it was going to do to me. And I said, no, that stuff will kill me. That stuff will destroy my family. No, that stuff will. And I just rejected it because I knew that it would kill me. Yeah. Okay? And that's the thing, knowing who you are. I never got any freedom from the churches I grew up in who told me, you'll struggle with this the rest of your life. They always, <laughs> you know, they told me, you'll struggle with this the rest of your life. You know, you'll, you're, you're a sinner bought by grace. And that's all true, but I'm no longer a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God. Amen. And so I'd go around, and when I would be tempted, I'd say, no, I'm the son of God. I'm the righteousness of God. My flesh has died with its simple passions, and I've been given new passions. I've been given new desires because I'm now a new creation. I'm not who I once was. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am the restored. I'm no longer in the pit. In Jesus' name, I am the resurrected. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead raises, lives in me and raised me from the dead. And I can overcome all this stuff, you know, because of Christ that lives inside of me. There's absolutely no excuse. I have complete authority and complete power over the, over the darkness because I am the light. It says that in the Word. You are, did you know that? You know, we, we just... Jesus gets all the glory because he lives inside you. But you know what? He doesn't get near as much glory until you start realizing who you are inside him. Amen. Okay? Oh, man. So when I realize I am the light of the world, then we can get stuff done. Amen. Okay? And I like it. My brother, my brother Tony back there, he called up his sister and he said, I'm going to heal you. And I remember somebody overheard him and they said, you need to explain to him that Jesus is the one that heals, he doesn't heal. And I don't want to kill something because, see, the truth is, Tony's right. Okay? See, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, if you forgive a man his sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive, then it's not forgiven. That's a lot of authority. That's actually higher than healing somebody. Okay? Now, actually, Jesus would make it different because when Jesus healed the man who was paralytic, he said to him, your sins are forgiven. And they said, no one can forgive sins except God. He goes, well, to show you that the Son of Man, which is cool because, see, we're also the Son of Man. Okay? He said, to show you the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Um, get up your, off your bed. You know, walk. So he was actually showing them that they're the same thing. See, in the Old Testament, sickness made you unclean, just like, sick, just like sin made you unclean. If you had sickness in your body, you had to go and do a sacrifice so you could become clean. And the priest had to set you free from that bondage. And if you had sin in your life, you had to have a sacrifice to set you free and make you clean before God as well. See, sin and sickness are the same in God's eyes. Just one deals spiritually, one deals physically. Both will kill you in the physical. Okay? And does it make sense? <laughs> so, my brother's, my brother's right. Now, 
We have to give glory to God because it doesn't matter like what we think because Jesus is the one inside me that makes me who I am. But he's, true, he's right. We are healing those people because Jesus lives inside of us. Now, again, I don't want to get sacred. So, so like, I'm not trying to be like, Jesus gets all the glory. Okay, let me just get that disclaimer out there. But if, if we don't know who we are, we'll never accomplish what God has for us. Amen. Okay? Jesus did not die to remove himself from the situation. He died so he could multiply. Amen. I'm sorry. He left so he could multiply. He died and rose again yeah. so he could rise you from the dead. Yeah. And he left so that he could multiply. That's why he said, if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit can't come. You know why? Because he had 12 guys. Well, actually, he had several more than that. But let's just start with the 12. He had these 12 guys who were sold out. And he said, it's better for you that I leave. Because Jesus can't be everywhere. He's in the flesh. But guess what? He can now be everywhere because he's now in you. And all we got to have is a thousand people all over the world preaching the gospel. But you know what? We fall asleep. We're not preaching the gospel. You know what we do? We go home. We watch TV. We pay our bills. We just go through a more a normal day of life. We pretty much owe everybody something. We don't realize that we owe God everything. Amen. Okay. He bought us. He owns us. He, we made him our Lord, our master. What are we doing with our life? Did you know, and for people who, and a lot of people um, uh, that are older and that are wiser, uh, they are, uh, they think that their life's over. Do you know that Moses started his ministry at age 80? There you go. 80 years old. He approached Pharaoh. The most powerful miracles occurred in an 80-year-old man. Okay? So if you've still got breath in you, God's not done with you. Amen. Okay? You've got so much more to offer. Don't let the devil. Here, you know, another good word for you. I'm totally going off my notes. But that's okay because this is what the Lord wants. Okay, I, I talked to somebody the other day, and they're like, you know, I don't know, I don't go to church anymore because, and y'all are all, of course, coming to church, okay? But there's so much more than just going to church. Amen. Okay, this church, I, I posted a picture on my Facebook page the other day. The goal isn't to get people to church. The goal is to get church to people, okay? See, so you're the church, you know? And wherever you go, we should be having church, you know? Why? Because you're the gate, right? We talked about this earlier, about the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You are now... Jesus to the whole world. And this, the angels are ascending and descending upon you. You are the gate. You are Bethel to people around you. Okay, You're the place of encounter. You, we don't realize that. We'll, we will never touch people. So I remember talking to the lady um, at work you know, yesterday. Or yeah, what's, what's today? Wednesday? Yeah, yesterday. I was talking to a lady and she said, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't go to church because I was hurt when I was younger. And la da 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 I said, so what you're telling me, I said, let me tell you something. The devil loves residual income. Okay? He wants to plant one tree in your life and get fruit from it all of your life. So what you're telling me is you let the devil steal one thing in your life, and now every day, the rest of your life, he's just taking one more piece, and one more piece, and one more piece. We've got to, we've got to get rid of the things, something that happened in our life in the past that the devil planted inside of us. Okay, and now he's he's making what I call residual income. Okay, off of that one thing he planted in your life, we got to cut that tree down. Okay, it's time to get rid of it. It's time to move on and trust the Lord and keep on going. Amen. All right, let's keep going here. So, uh, basically, 
I'm going to show you something pretty cool here. The offspring of God is the seed of God. Okay? See, our, our purpose, when we, when we get married to God and we enter covenant with him, the very first commandment that you will receive is to go make disciples. The very first thing you'll get commanded to do is go be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so check this out. Jesus is the word, right? And the word of God is the seed of God. Okay, check this out. Your offspring, which is Jesus, your seed, which is Jesus, and then it says in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the Word. It says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. And it says by Him all things were made. Okay? Creation is the beginning of life. Seed. Okay? And it says that He became he became flesh. And it says in John chapter 3, it says that you must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Okay? So we're born of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So Jesus also said to them, He said, the words I speak to you are spirit and truth. The word I speak to you is spirit and truth. So the spirit of God, the word of God, the seed of God, they're all very similar. They're all very close. So here, check this out. When I'm preaching, what comes out inside of me, okay, is the word, which is the seed. And I spread out this seed, okay, and that seed goes into hearts, and it can be rejected or it can be accepted. All right, so I, I like to say this. If, we told you earlier, if you really know God, you're going to talk about him. Amen. Okay, why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth professes. Okay, so if I really know him in an intimate level, then the seed of God will come out of me. Amen. Okay? Now, again, I don't want to get too visual here. But when you get married, if you really love your wife, then seed will be planted and a child will be born. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so if I really love God and I really love Jesus, I will love him so much that I will go make little baby Christians. Does that make sense? Amen. Isn't that cool? Have y'all ever seen that like that? That's good stuff, huh? All right. Uh, and, and watch this. Matthew, just to, just, to, just to knock the nail in. Matthew chapter 13, okay? parable of the sower. He told them many things in parables in verse 3, saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But the sun rose, but, as, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other, things, other seeds fell among thorns, and th the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears let him hear. And then he explains it. So that's really cool because many people don't know. You know, you hear the parables and you're like, man, what do you mean? And but he explains this one. This is awesome. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Hmm. What was sown into his heart. So very clear right here. That the word of God is the seed of God. Okay? Isn't it awesome? It's so good. Um, not, and man, this is so good. So we're, we're created. Um, see, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For we, it says, for the, for the love of Christ compels us. For the love of Christ compels us, and then we go out and preach. And it says, That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's the purpose. 
guys. That's really the purpose. And um, what do I got here? I think uh, I got a little bit. We good on time? You good? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna close this now. I'm just gonna speak from my heart. You know, God has God has called us to the message of reconciliation, and it doesn't matter what your present situation is, where your current walk is. You don't have to be a super spiritual person to preach the good news of Jesus. Do you? Do you talk about the movie you you watched last week? You know, think about it. You know, we went to go see a real good movie. Man, that movie was awesome, right? We were engaged in that movie for two and a half hours. You know? Yeah. We should do the same thing with Jesus. Amen. I mean, engage yourself for two and a half hours with Jesus. <laughs> and then go talk about it. Man, God spoke to me this awesome word, you know? See, see, God wants to be alive. He doesn't want to be a fairy tale. That's right. Okay, this is not a book of fairy tales. Amen. This is just the truth. Amen. And and I remember being in college in Hurricane, Payne, doing my Bible degree, and and I started questioning the existence of God. And, um, I grew up, uh, I grew up in a certain denomination that didn't really believe in, in spiritual gifts now, and that you know what I mean by that is supernatural occurrences of God. Um, they they always said, you know, faith killer prayers like if it be thy will and things like that. Yeah. You know, we've got to know the will of God. This is the will of God right here. Amen. You want to know the will of God? This is it. He doesn't he doesn't hide it. Like it's not so hard. Like. Just spend as much time as you can every day reading, and eventually you'll read through this whole thing. <laughs> you know? And the word is so good. I'm telling you what, it sets us free. Amen. And I, I remember praying, and I was thinking, like, Lord, I, I, it, it, either all of this is true or none of it is true. That's right. You know? And I remember uh, I'd go to professors, and they'd try to explain things away. And I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. You know? I, I want God to be real. You know? I, I want him to be real. Just like Jacob said. If you'll bring me back to this place, then I'll serve you alone, you know? And I was at that moment, you know, where I was basically worshiping religion or theology or, or, or what do you call it, philosophy, you know, earthly wisdom. And I had all these good ideas, and I, I was like, you know what? I want to know God, you know? And I remember one day, finally, when I finally let it all go, I was worshiping, and I lifted my hands up in worship for the first time. And then I don't remember what was on, what was playing, but... Next thing you know, man, the presence of God just came so thick upon me. It fell down on the ground, and I was just weeping and uncontrollably. And I finally felt the presence of God in my life. And I kept pursuing God and, and the spiritual gifts. And, and next thing you know, I started seeing people get healed and, and things like that. And just getting in the Word. And, and see, God is not interested in being just a fairy tale. He wants to be real in your life. And the reason why he's not real in our life is because we're not sold out. You know, he wants us to be completely sold out. You won't see God move until you're sold out. You really won't. Why? Because God is going to give it all, and he expects it all. You know, it's that covenant, you guys. So anyway, um, I think that's pretty much it, brother. Um,